Welcome to Health Now from WebMD. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. Today, we're taking a closer look at how COVID affects one particular part of the body, the heart. We talked to an expert to learn what doctors know so far about cardiovascular damage from the virus. Then we'll hear from someone who's living with that damage after recovering from just a moderate case of COVID. First though, please take a second, if you can, to make sure you subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and review too. We appreciate it. All right, let's get started. Though we've been living with COVID-19 for more than a year at this point, there are still a lot of medical questions about the disease and the coronavirus that causes it. But one thing has become clear, its effects on the body go far beyond the lungs. As scientists do more research on people who've had COVID, they found more and more people who wind up with damage to their heart and blood vessels. But how does a virus that gets in the body through the nose and mouth wind up affecting the heart? And once it does, what does that mean for the rest of a person's life? Today, we're focusing on these questions with Dr. Todd Hurst. He's the director of the Center for Cardiovascular Health at Banner University Medicine Heart Institute in Phoenix, Arizona. Dr. Hurst, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We've heard of so many different kinds of problems that COVID causes throughout the body, not just in the lungs. Were you surprised that it affects the heart? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the, the, the variety of effects of COVID has been a surprise for all of us in the medical field. I mean, not only is there a variation in the clinical effects, and, and we all know that we maybe 30 to 40% of people don't even know they have the infection, also the variety of organs that can be affected. So we thought at first that this was a primarily lung problem, and certainly that's one of the most common clinical uh, manifestations, but it wasn't long before we were recognizing that it was also affecting the brain, the heart, the kidneys, the blood vessels, and the blood clotting system as well. So it really has proven to be far more complex than we could have ever imagined. Yeah, it seems like every week just about we're learning about another way, a new way that COVID affects the body, which is distressing for, for people who've had it, I'm sure. Do other kinds of viruses have the same effects or is this one unusual in that way? No, I think this is completely unusual from my experience as a cardiologist. We've, we've known for some time that people with influenza are at higher risk of heart attacks and, and strokes. And whether that's because of the body's inflammatory response to, to that infection uh, or other factors isn't as clear, but we've certainly seen that correlation over time. But the extent and the commonness of heart involvement with a virus, I've never seen that before uh, COVID. Wow. How does COVID actually reach the heart and what are the specific kinds of damage it can do to the heart and the blood vessels? Yeah, there's a lot of variety there as well. You know, the, so, so there's at least three different mechanisms that the heart is affected with COVID. And probably the most common one is in critically ill patients, it's extra demand on the heart. So as you can imagine, uh, people that are critically ill, they have low blood pressure, they may have low oxygen levels, they have fast heart rates. 
And that puts an extra stress on the heart. And if you have pre-existing heart conditions, you have a lower reserve to match those needs for your body, then the heart is going to suffer from that. So that's probably the, the most common way that the heart's affected in COVID. We also now know that the virus leads to blood clots in certain people. And that could be blood clots that go to the lungs, which we call pulmonary embolus, but it also can cause blood clots in the arteries. And that's the primary way that we have heart attacks is the blood vessels get blocked and that muscle that was being fed by that artery is, uh, you know, suffers from lack of oxygen and lack of blood flow. And that's how heart attacks occur. And then lastly, there's the direct infection of the heart, which we call myocarditis or inflammation of the heart. And how that occurs and is still being worked out, there are receptors in the heart muscle that are similar to what the COVID virus attaches to. But we're also not clear right now, like how common that is. You know, there was some initial reports, particularly with MRI data that showed a really high prevalence of abnormalities that would be consistent with myocarditis and it caused a lot of concern. More recent research is saying that that was probably overestimated and these abnormalities on MRI may not be reflective of real clinical concern. So I, I think this is certainly a story that's uh, still being told. We're still figuring things out, but absolutely maybe 20 to 30% of people are with COVID, particularly serious COVID infection, also have heart involvement as well. What are the kinds of things that you're seeing on MRIs? Yeah, so, so there's different signals that indicate scar formation in the heart, and there has been reports that there's an increase in these signals in some patients that have had COVID in the past. Particularly, the most famous example has been a research study that showed a high prevalence of these abnormalities, with quotes around that word abnormalities, uh, in these athletes. What all doctors uh, recognize over time is that we can have testing that does show abnormalities, but it not, may not be clinically relevant. Classic example is doing MRIs of the spine in patients who don't have any symptoms. We find that there's a lot of abnormalities there, but then the people don't have any symptoms of it, so they're not relevant. So we really need to be able to put together, can't be just a lab test abnormality, it also has to be, there has to be some clinical relevance or clinical uh, impact from those abnormalities. And so I think that's a story that still needs some more evaluation. The, the difficulties around COVID research has been because it's so new and we're so hungry for any information that some of the research being published in retrospect wasn't of the quality to really answer the questions definitively. It doesn't mean that it shouldn't have been published. It should because we're looking for any information uh, now, but with time, we have the opportunity to do better quality research and either confirm or refute those findings. And I think that's the important thing about the MRI findings, particularly in athletes. While at one time we thought all athletes maybe need more advanced heart testing if they've had uh, COVID, I, I think the general consensus is that's not the case if they feel well and there's no symptoms uh, uh, going on at the time. And are they different types of heart problems or is it generally just one 
thing that doctors are seeing consistently in these patients? No, it, it, it is a, a variety. And, and as we talked about, it, most commonly in the hospital, we're being called to see patients who are critically ill with COVID because they have abnormalities of blood tests that test for heart damage called troponins. And most of the time, that's just the heart reacting to the patient being really sick. But we're also seeing an increase in patients who are presenting with acute heart attacks that are blood clots, and they're also COVID positive, you know, suggesting that there's a correlation there, if not causation of uh, uh, heart attacks, and then of course the myocarditis. I, I would say though, in in my clinical experience and that of my colleagues, the myocarditis is the more rare uh, effect from the heart. But I also acknowledge that diagnosing myocarditis has some, uh, you know, some challenges with it. It's not a, a crystal clear thing all the time. But there's clearly people that have had inflammation of their heart from the COVID virus. Are these heart problems happening mostly in people? who already had heart issues, or are they also happening to people who had no heart concerns before COVID? Maybe they were even considered healthy. Yeah, it, it, and again, this is almost tracks with uh, what our experience with COVID is overall. The people that are at higher risk are the ones that have predisposing conditions. That includes uh, coronary artery disease or having previously heart attacks. Uh, people with uh, heart failure are particularly high risk of poor outcomes uh, from COVID. And then the risk factors for heart disease, like high blood pressure and diabetes, all of those indicate patients that are at higher risk for, that, for the bad outcomes with COVID. But then we all also know healthy, seemingly healthy people that have come in with serious heart problems with COVID as well. So it's less common in healthy people, but it, it's certainly occurring. Mm. And does the severity of the COVID case matter? Are you finding that these problems are primarily happening in people who wound up in the hospital or are they showing up just as often in people who had a mild case and just sort of treated it at home? Yeah, it's it's far more common that we're seeing this in people that are critically ill with COVID. And that, that may be, though, we have to acknowledge that it may be because those are the people that we're evaluating as well. You know, we're, when, sure. when people are critically ill, then we're doing more echo tests, we're doing troponins, we're doing those kind of things. Whereas those who don't have uh, symptoms, we're not going to be doing those tests. Now, I think the, the really interesting thing that was emerging that we're completely flummoxed by is this long hauler syndrome. These people that are having COVID symptoms, uh, even after seeming recovery from the virus that are lasting months or indefinitely, at least at this point, it's been around about a year, uh, in, 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 in that case, there are people that have had mild uh, symptoms from COVID, but actually are suffering from uh, longstanding symptoms of fatigue and shortness of breath and brain fog and, and, and other factors like that, that we just don't have an explanation for. And my experience in, in the clinic has been that I've seen these people, we've uh, they've, they've described symptoms that could be related to heart uh, issues like uh, heart rhythm problems or shortness of breath. But when we look at their heart structurally with echo and stress tests, uh, their, their heart appears to be normal, yet they still have the symptoms. So I, I think that's also a story that's yet to be told. That is fascinating. And 
scary, I would imagine, for someone who's going through it. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I, I emphasize this to, to my patients who have concerns about the vaccine is that while we don't have longstanding information about the vaccines, they've only been around for months uh, at this point, the early results are that they are safe and they don't lead to any long-term effects. But COVID, we have emerging but very serious and concerning information that there are a significant number of people that have long-term side effects from that. So I I think in balance, it's crystal clear to me that the vaccine is uh, far more benefits than than risk uh, compared to COVID. That's reassuring to know that there's not any concerns yet or even no, no indications that there would be problems for the heart from the vaccine. That's encouraging. Yeah, we, we have we have about two month data that has been published for the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine, and both of them went about two months and had very low side effects. Now, I, I should say emphasize there's temporary side effects with it. Fifty or sixty percent of people can have uh, pain at the injection site and chills and fevers and things like that, but those go away within a day or two. But the long-lasting side effects or really serious side effects uh, appear to be really rare, at least in the short term. So describe the symptoms that someone would have of heart damage from this coronavirus. Would you know if you had this type of heart damage? You know, I think in general, the answer is yes. Of course, we're not looking at people who don't have symptoms. So there's some uncertainty there. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that's a, a really good question because when the, this was several months ago, it was an early MRI study of athletes uh, showed these uh, abnormalities on MRI. The concern was, wow, these people have heart damage and they don't even know it. I, I think but over time, I think the, the more likely explanation was we're seeing abnormalities on the test, but they're not really clinically relevant. Like we might see those same types of abnormalities when we do that test on people who haven't had COVID as well. And there's been some, some research since then that has, has supported that, that thought. But the people that are, should be concerned or have their heart evaluated are not the ones who don't have symptoms. The ones that do need to see a cardiologist, see a physician and have evaluation uh, of their heart are ones that are having symptoms such as shortness, ongoing shortness of breath, uh, shortness of breath with activity, if they're having heart racing issues or palpitations, uh, if they're having chest pain, those are, those are classic symptoms that would suggest that uh, heart evaluation is indicated. We've talked a little bit about how COVID is still fairly new. You know, it's only been a year at this point that we've been living with this virus. But are doctors seeing these issues lingering well past when someone gets sick? Is this part of being a long hauler? Or is there any sense that maybe these problems are sort of temporary or and may, you know, fade in time? Yeah, so for the majority of people that have COVID, they're going to recover from this in, uh, you know, a relatively short period of time, and they're going to just do just fine. Uh, It's, 
you know, the people that are at higher risk, uh, the people that have illness that are older, uh, then those people tend to have worse outcomes and they're the ones that most likely are going to end up in hospitals and critically ill. There is a subset of these people that are recovering from the virus, but then go on to have ongoing symptoms of fatigue and brain fog and, and shortness of breath. And for many of them, we're not finding abnormalities. Now, my pulmonary colleagues who take care of the critically ill patients have told me that they have seen more lung scarring in people that have had COVID in the past. And maybe that explains uh, their ongoing shortness of breath. But right now, we're, we're still gathering information to help guide us on one, who's at risk for those long-term you know, adverse effects? And then two, what can we do to, to help those people feel better? Well, I'm glad you raised that point because really what are the treatment options for someone who develops these COVID-related heart problems? Lifestyle approaches like diet and exercise are, are cornerstones of treatment and prevention for, for traditional heart disease. Will they work as well or at all for someone who's developed this problem because of a COVID infection? So while we don't have that research yet, it, it, my strong opinion is absolutely. The benefits of healthy nutrition, physical activity, adequate sleep, stress management are unequivocal and extend beyond heart disease. I heard this recently that uh, over 40 different expert guidelines on the management of, of diseases, from heart disease to fibromyalgia to depression to anxiety, the the foundation of treatment of these 40 uh, illnesses from experts is lifestyle modification. I think the, the risks of that are very, very low and the benefits are, are tremendous. So absolutely, that's going to remain the foundation of our approach to treating uh, patients with heart disease. But we have proven therapies in individuals that have heart disease that save lives. We, we have medications, for example, for cardiomyopathy, which is a weak heart muscle, we have uh, multiple medications that have shown to save lives and keep people out of hospitals. And so we're going to continue to use these medicines in those people, whether they're going to work in COVID, you know, cardiomyopathy is still, you know, to be determined. My strong suspicion is that they are. So I, and, and they, we're going to continue to treat those people with medicines that we know benefit those that have that that condition until we learn that there may be other therapies. Gotcha. So it seems like the, the therapies that are on the table for people with traditional heart disease are still on the table for people with COVID. Absolutely. Gotcha. I'm curious if it's possible uh, or if you, you think it might be possible that someone maybe years from now who had a COVID infection might show up with a heart problem that they didn't realize they had. That's a question that I have as well, and many of us have, and so far we don't have that answer, but we also have anecdotally, I know I've seen patients like this, as have many of my colleagues, people that uh, had COVID, got, you know, improved from that, and then weeks or, or even in some cases a month or two later, present with blood clot problems without any other explanation. Now, you know, these things can happen. These things happened in the past too. I mean, people showed up with weak heart muscles that we couldn't explain. In fact, we don't explain most of those cases. They show up with 
blood clots that we don't have a good explanation for. Of course, now our senses are heightened to think, okay, well, have you had COVID? Did you have COVID? Is this related? We don't know yet if that's cause and effect or if it's just correlation, but uh, this virus has just proven to be so complex and such a variety of effects that uh, the possibility is certainly there. Well, that's excellent information. Thank you so much, Dr. Todd Hurst, for all, all of your time and your insights. We really appreciate it. No, it's been my pleasure. It was uh, very nice talking with you. Thank you. Now let's hear from someone who knows the whole body effects of COVID all too well. Ashley Derrick lives in Atlanta and got COVID in the spring of 2020. Today, she's what experts call a long hauler. Even after she cleared the infection and tested negative, she's still living with the effects of the virus. Ashley, welcome to Health Now. Thanks so much, Carrie, for having me. You got COVID in May of last year. Give us a picture of what your life and your health were like before COVID and then how you felt when you got sick. Well, I feel like I was a really healthy late 40s uh, woman and pretty fit, uh, active, very active, uh, do a lot of biking and walking and yoga and in constant activity. But uh, when I got COVID and I didn't have any pre-existing conditions, Mm-hmm. But when I actually tested positive for COVID on, on May 1st of last year, uh, it totally changed my life in ways that I uh, had no ideas that it would. A lot of people have heard the symptoms of COVID, you know, trouble breathing, coughing, that kind of stuff. But give us an idea of what it felt like while you were, while you were battling the virus. You know, I think everybody has a a different situation with COVID, which is what's so crazy about this virus. But um, for me, it started with a, almost like a stomach bug, Um, real sick feeling, nauseated, you know, had bad stomach problems. And then it quickly moved to significant cold-like symptoms. I mean, I, you know, I couldn't breathe. I was very stopped up. And and then from there uh, into the just intense body pain that I've, I've, I've never had before and I don't ever want to have it again. It was almost as if your bones were hurting um, and you know, hurting in places that I didn't know existed. I mean, it was, it was shocking actually. And um, everybody talks about nighttime being the worst, but the night, the night times were the worst. You really could not sleep at all, even though you were exhausted. And I had, I never had that, you know, constant dry cough, even though that cough that I supposedly didn't have then has, has stayed with me, but I didn't have it, you know, in, in such a way that was horrendous for my lungs, but my lungs were affected uh, during COVID. I, I certainly felt like uh, I had a, you know, I, I kept saying I had a weight on my chest um, where it was really hard to take that that long, deep breath that you want to take, and and you felt like you just couldn't you couldn't get enough air in in your lungs, but my you know my oxygen levels never dipped you know below ninety five and ninety four is really the real problematic part of that. Um, so in the in the sense of just having lung issues, I I, I didn't think I had that many problems, um, and I would I would say it was a moderate case. It lasted about three weeks before I started really feeling a bit better. Um, uh, but it was that also, I forget about the headaches. The headaches were pretty um, intense as well. And I'm, I'm not one to, to get headaches. So that was something that was, and I'm, I'm very, you know, lucky knock on wood that I, I, I don't have them now, but um, that was something that was pretty significant as well. 
that really is just about every part of your body that could possibly be affected. That's remarkable. It is, and it was, you know, it is something that, uh, again, it, 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 it changes so different. Oh, and I never had a fever. I think this is something that I, I wow. find that we're always, we're always taking fevers, uh, you know, taking the temperature of people whenever we do things. Right, because, you know, yeah. everywhere you go, they, they take your temperature to be sure, you know, okay, you can come in here because you don't have a fever, yeah. but wow, that's... Not really that practical. And you were never, you were never hospitalized. You stayed, you recovered at home the whole time. Yes. Covered, recovered at home, never hospitalized. That's why I say it was a definite moderate. I mean, I, I, you know, again, very blessed that I was not hospitalized. I'd never had the, you know, the, the significant breathing problems or the oxygen level problems that would, that would cause that. Right. How did you end up finding out that the infection had affected your heart? Were you having symptoms that made you go see a doctor? Yes, you know, I didn't have uh, the heart-like symptoms for a couple of months after COVID. So I tried to get back to the normal, you know, ways of living, even though I had a fourth of the energy that, you know, I had had before. But I started having significant heart pain to the point where I, I actually thought I was having a heart attack. And at one point drove myself uh, to the ER at Emory, uh, in fact, uh, had, did that twice, um, but, you know, was just convinced that there was nothing, you know, that I could be having except a heart attack. And, you know, my EKG, of course, was was fine and kind of chalked it up for quite some time uh, on inflammation, which is a, a huge part also of COVID, of, you know, my, my there being inflammation in, surrounding my lungs and my heart. Um, but this has lasted for a long, long time. And I finally actually, you know, decided to, to get a cardiologist to, 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 to talk to a specialist about it. Certainly. And what was that conversation like? What were some of the things, did he tell you the specific heart problem that you were having? Not for a while. When you're dealing with this, it's so weird and so strange to have something that you've never had before, such as a heart ache or a, a heart problem. And so, um, you know, you start by talking to a cardiologist and by, you know, doing, you know, stress tests and, and you know, getting those kind of tests. And at, at the beginning, again, we, we did feel like it was... Um, just the inflammation. And um, so uh, started with the usual, you know, steroid uh, doses of, you know, steroid packs and, and then non-steroid, non-steroid inflammation um, medicine to try to, you know, uh, curb the, the symptoms and, 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 you know, and, and, and try to, you know, help the, the chest, the heart area. And, um, you know, nothing worked. It only worked, I told my doctor when I was doing absolutely nothing. I mean, when I was, when I was doing absolutely nothing and, and sitting and or, you know, lying around, did the medicine feel like it was working? Otherwise, um, you know, I, I would have the heart pain, uh, would immediately come back if I talked too much, if I did any kind of exercise, if I walked, if I, I mean, any, anything would make it come back. When we uh, decided to do a CAT scan of my heart and, um, and that uh, actually showed that I had plaque buildup in my arteries. When you talk to cardiologists, when you talk to any kind of doctor, everybody will say, well, uh, you know, plaque buildup is pretty normal for people of this age, but I think you're not, you shouldn't have plaque buildup going above 50, 60, 70%. And mine was in the sixties in, in my left artery. And, and, and while it's not calcified, which is great because I have low blood pressure, I have low, uh, you know, heart rate, I have low cholesterol, uh, it, it still 
seemingly is causing some issues and, and he thinks that the the plaque buildup in the arteries is maybe causing um, you know, a narrowing of other arteries that are deeper in the muscle of the heart. And that is causing this pain that I'm in. And that can, you know, can be helped by, you know, possibly some, some medicine um, as, as well as possibly doing maybe a, a cath um, to, to help that, that, that artery, those arteries that are affected. And again, these are all um, what we're basing on you know, just a thought process of, of, of what's happening to me because this is all so new. Um, uh, it's, it's really difficult for, I think, a lot of, a lot of doctors to, to still understand. And, and, you know, I have a great cardiologist who's extremely interested in what's going on, you know, with, with, with my heart, but it's still, it's still something that is so new. It's, it, you know, it's a struggle to figure out what's causing the problems. Right. I mean, does your doctor have any insights or any thoughts about how your heart might be affected in the long run? He doesn't, and we haven't really gone there. I mean, you know, we both uh, joke and, and, and hope that one day I'm just going to wake up and that this pain and, and is going to be gone, but it's, it, it, hasn't, it hasn't left yet. And so my hope is that uh, we can, you know, figure out either with medicine or, or, or actually doing the, the cath and these arteries that I will, uh, you know, get better. But it is, it is a life changing event, unfortunately, or has been for me because I just have not still been able to do uh, what I, what I could do before COVID. And, and that's what's, it's, it's so quite frankly, depressing. You know, you want to be able to, you know, ride 30 minutes on your Peloton. And in reality, you can only make it 15 minutes without, um, st without still feeling like you're getting ready to have a heart attack. So. Right. And it's been, we should say it's been about what, nine months since you got COVID? Yes. Um, nine months since I got COVID. So Give us an idea of the symptoms that you are, you've, you've alluded to them a couple of times, but um, give us an idea of how you feel today, the kind of symptoms that you're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, I do have a feeling that I have a heart sitting in my chest. I know that sounds a little weird, but uh, you know, I can feel... Yeah, you're aware of I, it. I can, I'm aware of it. I have a constant dull pain or an ache in my heart. And if I get my heart rate up, and I am on a beta blocker now, to lower my heart rate even more, which at, at the beginning of that really made me very dizzy because again, I have low heart rate and low um, blood pressure, but it, it has it has helped a bit um, in the sense of of when I am doing something that you know that sharp pain is not constantly there. But again, if I go two days with let's say doing yoga and then and I'm serious when I say 15 minutes on a bike, um, the next it, it's a weird situation. It's not necessarily that day of that I'm feeling this. It's the next day. I have this significant pain in my chest. And that's what's so frightening and weird about it. It's not necessarily that it's happening as I'm working out. It's, it's actually the, the day after at, at times. Um, right, because normally you could be like, gee, I don't feel so great. I'm going to stop now. Um, you, you can't, you don't have the benefit of that. It's, it's like a delayed response. It's a, you have it to try to gauge. Yeah, it's a delayed response. So I, you know, I, can, I can be on the bike and be, whoa, I can do this. You know, like this is not... Um, you know, causing significant problems today. And then the next day I'm, you know, I'm wiped out and I have, I'll be driving down the road and all of a sudden have a massive pain in my heart. And you're just like, oh my God, you feel crazy. And I will, that is something that I, um, I say often that um, because it's something that you really can't believe yourself that is happening and you feel a bit crazy. And, but 
the only other thing that I will say just with this is that I still do have the, just the, that weight on my chest that I can't get that deep breath on again, when I've talked too much or when I'm, you know, uh, when I, when I have done too much during a day and, and, and this, again, this too much that I'm talking about is, 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 is at this point a half of what I was doing before COVID. So it has, it has changed my life tremendously. I can imagine, you know, and heart disease is usually something that doctors have a pretty good understanding of, you know, they know how to treat it. They know what course it's likely to take as time goes on, but it seems that your condition comes with so much more uncertainty about what to do, what's going to help, what's ahead, even from your doctors. What, what has that been like? You know, you mentioned feeling like you're, like you're crazy, like you can't gauge what's going on in your own body, but then there's that extra level of uncertainty too. Yeah, I think you feel, well, it's frustrating, uh, number one, um, because I, I do think that obviously doctors are learning about COVID the same time we are. I mean, this is all very new and, uh, and, is, and is evolving daily. Um, I, I mean, even now with different variants uh, of this, you know, disease. And so I think that because of that, you, you know, as someone who is suffering nine months later from it, you feel totally frustrated and and not that not that your doctors necessarily are, are are making you feel this way but you do sometimes feel like people don't believe you um and and that and 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 i and i need to be very clear i have wonderful doctors who do believe me and who do understand what's but there's still this in the back of your mind like i never had problems before you know with with hearts with my heart but now i am having something um, that is to me very significant and you know this couldn't have been you know this couldn't have been a pro you know a problem that I had uh, before COVID um, and, and I truly don't believe that it is and, and, and quite frankly nor does my cardiologist but you still just feel like you almost have to explain yourself over and over again. Right well and that's I think that's something that a lot of people who've had COVID or even loved ones of people who have who have died from COVID, they say, well, there must have been something wrong with you already. You must have had some sort of pre-existing condition already. But, you know, there's just no way to know. Yeah, there's no, there is no way of knowing. And of course, I go back to the, to the part of, of, of my life that I, I feel like, well, I mean, I know that I had no pre-existing condition. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who, who, you know, does go get a physical, I, you know, I stay on top of everything that I should where my, you know, body is concerned. I don't like to take medicine, quite frankly. I vary against just, you know, popping a ton of pills. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who, you know, had, had a, you know, a healthy lifestyle and, and who is healthy or who was, and, and it is, um, it's mind boggling at this point. Right. Last question for you. You actually, you got COVID twice. The second time, most in, in December, I think it was, just a couple months ago, which must have been scary and frustrating, among other things. Um, first of all, how are you feeling now, once, now that the infection has, has passed? And what would you want other people to know about this? Well, I think, um, uh, you know, we, we, we know that obviously you, you carry antibodies for quite some time and it, and, or, or it can be quite some time. I mean, I think the, the antibody guess here is about three months of, of certain carrying antibodies. And, but I think we do assume, you know, once you've had COVID that you, you know, you, you, you can't test positive again, or it's something that's very rare, but, you know, I'm finding in, in groups that I belong to, and I'm, I'm 
belong to a couple of the long hauler groups um, that are excellent, but that that people are getting COVID, you know, twice, and 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 these are, um, you know, definitely not false positives. Um, this was, you know, a PCR test, and and I very clearly felt like I had it again. And it's embarrassing to think that you you could have COVID twice. And I think the reason why is because you do feel like you know you are you are trying your best um, to be to be careful. But I go grocery shopping. I am around clients every day. As careful as I you know can be. You know, I mean, I, you know, did I touch something that I didn't? You know, wipe my face. Whatever. I, I I did get it again, and it was not as bad. Thank goodness. The second time, it only lasted about a week. Um, of of having that achy and losing the taste and smell again, um, but it was nothing you know like the first time around. But yeah, I mean, you try, you do, you do your best, but really, we, we are all very susceptible to it. Thanks again to Dr. Todd Hurst and Ashley Derrick for talking with us today, and don't forget to follow WebMD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week, everyone. Talk to you next time.